TIM Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the CIM podcast series and today we are joined by a very special guest, it's Daniel Rowles, who is CEO of Target Internet. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what Daniel's been doing for the industry shortly, but we do have another introduction to make. Gemma Butler is back with us uh, on the CIM podcast. And Gemma, as many of you will know, is marketing director at the Chartered Institute of Marketing itself. Now, Daniel, you produce a report annually looking into digital skills in the marketing sector. And the latest report has just been released. We talk a lot about the need for expertise in digital marketing. Have we got there? Uh, no, frankly. So we started this in 2018. And, and for the very reason that what we needed to do was kind of say, OK, where are digital skills? And we keep talking about this digital skills gap. But, but there was no real evidence to prove how big the gap was and where it was and so on. So we started in 2018. We went off. And, and the, the thing that's interesting about this is it's the only benchmark of its type that actually goes off and tests people's skills. This isn't opinion based. This isn't how good are you on social media out of 10. It, it takes about half an hour for people to run through the benchmark. It asks them lots of tricky questions. Those questions are weighted. And they're also balanced off against the Chartered Institute of Marketing's professional standards. So the, the idea is that we get a good viewpoint of where skills really are. So we can have a frank conversation about it. Uh, and the, the bottom line was that it came out in 2018, first of all, and it was pretty bad. Uh, you know, there is a huge skills gap. Now, we expected that. But now, having done it again, so we've had 5,000 people go through this or just under 5,000 people. And essentially, um, things have gone backwards in many cases. Uh, some things have got better. Um, and the overall picture was fairly static, which which had a, kind of there was a whole load of multitude of sins hidden away in there, really. So the reality is that some industries are better than others, some are worse, some seniorities are better and worse, but there are some things that we really need to address. And and that was the point of actually saying we need to face up to this. We'll come into the detail later, but I take from that that there's low progress or no progress over the space of the last twenty four. 28 months or so since you produced your first report? Well, what's happened is the user expectations have changed, right? So we have bigger and higher expectations of the every interaction we have with brands. So whether that's the app, the website, the, the customer service engagements or anything else, we expect more. We expect a better digital experience. That means that the channels themselves, the tools that we're using have become more complex. We're talking about personalization. We're talking about um, conversational design with chatbots. We're talking about using artificial intelligence to do really clever targeting. All of that means that if your skills stay where they are, you're going backwards because the industry is moving forwards. And that, that was one of the key findings is that great if you kind of educated yourself a few years ago and you've gone into a kind of senior role um, and you've kind of sat on those skills because it's not what you're doing every day. You've got people that do it. You've got an agency that looks after it for you. What's actually happening is your skills are going backwards because yep. the industry is moving faster than you. Gemma, that's a pretty bit of an indictment, isn't it, where the industry is? It's been drummed into us for the last five years or more, 10 years, that we've got to be keep up to speed with digital skills. Um, 
and we've got to keep pace of trends and innovations. And it seems to me from what Daniel is telling us, we're doing neither of those things. Well, I mean, as, as Daniel said, that the speed of digital technology is moving faster than the people can move. Um, and we, we've did some qualitative needs research with some organizations um, a few months ago to find out, you know, how marketing functions are changing. Um, and we also looked at, you know, the needs of consumers and, and what marketing as a function needs to keep up with. And, you know, to a lot of Daniel's points, the need for ever changing content, you know, that people, how people want to engage with you, how people want to buy the expectations set by brands such as Amazon on next day delivery being free. And then that sort of proliferates out to everybody else wanting that. And I think, you know, the world, the world is moving at pace and consumers, are, and we are consumers, you know, we, we expect certain things, but actually not all organisations can move at that pace. Um, and I think that's where you start to see some of the discrepancies. What are the discrepancies, Daniel? I mean, presumably it's not an even picture across the industry. It's not an even picture across discipline, and it's probably not an even picture across levels of the business seniority, if you like. That's right. I mean, we, we looked at 29 different industries um, and a whole series of different seniority levels. And there is, there's some key things that come out. Um, so essentially, junior roles have actually moved forwards. Right. And I think where we looked at um, graduates and execs and things like that, if you look at where they were two years ago to where they are now, that's really moved forwards. And the good story there is that that shows that a lot of the stuff that the CIM are doing, a lot of the stuff that the universities are trying to up the game with this. There's a lot more self-service education available online as well. So people are coming into the workplace with a better knowledge of digital. That's fantastic. And that, that reflects, I think, the CIM have updated their qualifications a lot in the last few years. It, it just it is starting to work. There are certain topics that have, have gone backwards a little bit. So things like um, social media, search optimization, usability, they've gone backwards because they have got more complex particularly. So that, that's not a great surprise for me. Um, what I thought was good news and bad news was that content marketing fundamentals had more broadly been understood. So my initial reaction was great. You know, people are getting content marketing. Then you suddenly realize, actually, they get the basics. They're just pumping out more content. That doesn't mean they're doing best practice content. So all they're really doing is adding to the level of noise that's out there potentially. So a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing. We're increasing the volume, but not the quality. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think, and we've seen that for a long time, but what I've seen was really interesting is that 2018 versus now, email skills are very much one of the things that people are more comfortable with. We've done email for a long time. It was a kind of go-to channel. So skills were relatively high compared to other areas. But actually, we've seen that drift back a little bit, and it kind of reflects the fact that we're relying on it a little bit less. Now, I... I kind of see two things going on there. One is the fact that um, in reality, email is so saturated, people just can't rely on it anymore. And then something that Gemma raised with me, which is a really good point as well, is the whole fact that when you've got a GDPR kind of environment, people are a little bit more scared of using this stuff. And actually, they, they, they can't look at it in quite the same way. So it is, it is hopefully a good thing in that we're not just spray and praying and just kind of putting all the emails out there. Uh, we're being a bit more cautious. But the, the big one, the big finding, and I think this is the one that's really important, is that mid-senior level management, so we're kind of talking head of department level, yep. skills have gone backwards more in that area than anywhere else. So these are people who would typically be aged, my sort of age, probably Gen Xs, who have come into uh, these middle senior roles, heads of department, if you like, not the very, very tops of organisations, but just a room below. And they have actually gone 
backwards. So the people who are responsible for most of the day-to-day -day running of the business, most of the strategy making, probably involved in managing uh, proposals and the creation of proposals, are actually getting worse at this stuff. But they are, and the reason they are is that they have existing skill levels. They're not doing this day by day. They've got people doing it. They've got agencies doing it. And therefore, industry moves forwards. Their skills stay the same, and it's, and it's drifting. But they are the people that the most senior people are tasking with implementing this stuff, yes. even if they're trickling that down. So it's a real danger to organizations. And I think this is one of the reasons the benchmark is to sit up and say, we need upskilling programs at every level of the organization. And I'll talk about the director level in a moment. But this is not something, it's not just the practitioners that need this. Gemma, is that something that you've noticed? Your sort of uh, archetypal 44-year-old, 43-year-old Gen X head of department, head of marketing, is actually getting worse at uh, doing the stuff that we need to be doing um, in order to run a good marketing function. Well, I mean, I guess if you're looking at the results, yeah, the, the results are there that those those skills levels are, are not progressing to, to how they should. Again, going back to the needs research, you know, when we were speaking to um, organisations and also some of the recruiters that we have uh, relationships with, actually there was a change in structure. So there were, we were finding that some organisations were having less head of middle management roles and they were broadening out their junior level exec roles. And they were bringing in specialists in digital from agencies because they were actually moving away from agencies to deliver their digital skills, such as PPC and SEO, because the cost of agencies was equivalent in some cases to a year's salary. So they felt that it would be more um, effective for them um, and beneficial to bring those roles in house. So we've, you know, that, that, that could explain some of the reason why the junior roles, exec roles, you know, are being invested in because they're driving you know, in-house type roles now. I think, you know, in terms of, as you go up in, in terms of your role, your, your responsibilities broaden um, and you lose sight of that day-to-day -day stuff. I mean, it's not an excuse for not understanding the basic principles of what you need to implement. You know, you should do that, absolutely. But if that middle management level is shrinking, you know, and this is all prior to the current situation we're in now. So I'm really interested to see how that change is moving over. Um, then, you know, I think sort of that level that dilutes their skill levels and, and their time to be able to stay up to date, especially at the, the blistering speed with which we, is quite obviously in some areas, it's moving fast. And I think to go to Daniel's, you know, one of Daniel's points around content marketing, copywriting is still one of the top selling courses that CIM does, you know. Um, so content is absolutely key. But writing, being able to write content, the fundamental skill that underpins it, is still a skill that you know we teach all the time. Daniel, is there any evidence that this sort of digitally challenged Gen X head of department group are listening or delegating to where the skills seem to be lying, which is at the junior level? I think they are. And I think what you've got to realise with this is, is there are outliers in this as well. So we say, oh, this, this that seniority is, is in trouble. There are people that are brilliant at this stuff and, and, and there are agencies and, and all sorts of things that are great at it as well. I think the reality is that it just reflects the job in that you are spread more thin, you're managing more things, you're not on the coalface doing this stuff all the time. And the tactics and the tools in digital are changing really, really quickly. So I think, yes, there is delegation to, to people that are better at this. There is a commitment in some areas. What I thought was interesting, though, is that if you look at the most senior level, look at the CEO level, uh, CMO, all those kind of things, skills have got better. And that's brilliant news because 
when we when we did some of the Institute of Directors, there was this big, big worry about um, skills at board level, digital skills at board level. But let's put that in perspective. That's a really bad starting point that it's improved. So right. I don't think we should be singing from the rooftops because actually those skills have gone up slightly, but they're still below where a lot of other kind of groups are. So I think that's really important because this, we did some other research that looked at digital transformation. And what we basically found is those digital transformations that succeed are the ones that are led by the most senior people uh, on the teams. And actually it was those organizations that had upskilling programs that everyone was involved in, including the C-suite that actually succeeded at digital transformation. And that makes sense when you think of digital transformation as basically being, where are we now? And where do we need to be in this fast changing environment? And it kind of pieces this whole thing together because it is that pace of change that's the kind of struggle. In, in the in talking of differentials and outliers, in the report, you take a bit of a deeper dive into sectors, industries mm. within uh, the economy, and you're finding different levels of performances across those, aren't you? Are there any that are booking the trend and are doing a lot better than, um, than others? Well, you'd always hope that would be agencies. And actually, agency skills are higher than everywhere else generally speaking but um it's gone backwards a little bit in some cases as well now then you had to split it off by types of agencies so if you're a specialist digital agency this wasn't so much of a particular problem but the generalist marketing agencies have all gone backwards on digital skills because i guess if you're trying to do all aspects of marketing and you're trying to keep up with digital as well that that's a real a real challenge um Again, there are some outliers, um, but if you look at things, uh, I was discussing this with, with Gemma before, and we were kind of talking about the beauty industry, where you would kind of expect that, that these people are moving online now, um, fashion being a similar kind of thing. There are these big kind of retailers doing a fantastic job, um, you know, they're kind of the ASOSes and all these kind of things of the world. Yes, they are, but those are the outliers. Actually, right. the industry overall, and actually, if you think about retail on the high street, they're closing down because they're, they're not maybe fit for purpose. I mean, COVID's added a whole new thing into the mix, but the reality is that when we, we think of some industries, we think of the outliers, we don't necessarily think of the, of the industry as a whole. So the consumer demand, Gemma, is moving, for the beauty, let's look at beauty and fashion, to, to very prominent frontline industries. The consumer demand is moving online, but it sounds to me that the skills required to deliver on that consumer demand are behind in those two industries. Is that your experience? I think, well, I mean, I guess generally as, as a whole, yes, the report shows that, you know, not everyone's up to the, the boo-hoo, the boo-hoo pretty little things and beauty box and dollar shave club, you know, all of these, these outliers who are leading the pack. But I mean, certainly beauty has, has moved, you know, to online and this whole subscription model that comes up and, and same with fashion, you know, the growth of the fast fashion industry, I don't think anyone's unaware of how fast and, and how rapidly that's grown. But, you know, moving to online, I, I, was, I was really surprised by the, the e-commerce um, uh, results within those because you think if your business is pure online, and let's face it, a lot of businesses will go purely online in those situations because they ultimately got to get the price of their product down, haven't they? So their, their cost base has got to be as low as possible. But I thought, you know, I was really surprised that their e-commerce was not absolutely like where email used to be. Why is that, Daniel? Well, I think it's an interesting one because if you say e-commerce, you think, well, these businesses must be at the cutting edge. But actually what's happened is that so many new businesses have come in because you can open a Shopify store, you know, so quickly or you can go through and you can set up um, e-commerce so much more easily than you used to be able to. There are a lot of people doing it badly now. So 
you have got those outliers that are absolutely brilliant at this stuff, but it means because the technology is more accessible, it's quite easy to do it badly. And that goes back to the email piece. Email was always the easiest channel to do badly because you could just throw out a load of emails mm. um, and, and hope for the best. And it's reflective of the same kind of thing that when we get these technology adoption curves, you actually find a lot of people doing it and doing it badly. And then it will start to refine over a period of time. I mean, the, the, the key thing here is this is just going to keep changing and, and it is going to keep moving in that direction. To what level, Gemma, do you think the consumer could tolerate sort of bad or mediocre digital marketing i mean i think you know today today there's so much choice that there's very little loyalty you know with consumers and brands really um especially in the sort of fast moving industries such as beauty and fashion and you know the other thing i think you know the the whole social you're talking about social skills going backwards you know both of those industries are heavily reliant on you know influencers and instagram and and things like that to sell their products so consumers are going to move very, very quickly if there's a really poor execution on social media with a beauty product or a fashion product, you know, and I think the, you know, those ones that are doing it well are just obliterating the competition really, because you can really tell the two um, quite, quite quickly. Yeah, they just, they won't tolerate it. That's the thing. And, and actually, when you look at industry, it could look bad news in your industry because you can look at it and go, oh, we're terrible at this. But actually, that means you've got the opportunity, if you do it well, to shine and to really stand out. And that's, that's what consumers are looking for. And that's what differentiates. So I think I see this as a great opportunity because it is so bad as a baseline. Actually, if you excel at it, you'll do fantastically well. Well, that's, that is true. That's an interesting and accurate positive spin. And what is a pretty negative report i would say so let, let's let's stay on that positive path come on then what are the things that marketers need to do they can start tomorrow or they can start on monday to start getting the things in train to improve this but you need to start by knowing what you don't know and i think this this whole skills benchmarking thing is really important so the individual skills benchmark if you want to go and benchmark your skills now you can go and do that on our website so you can, and that, that will kind of contribute towards this data, but it will give you a view of where your skills are and where the gaps are. And it will actually make some recommendations. So first of all, you can do that. Um, if you want to do that for a group of people, um, we're doing that for free for up to 10 people at the moment. So you can get a kind of viewpoint of where your, your kind of team is. Um, but so that's the starting point. You kind of know what you don't know. But then you need a culture of ongoing learning. And you know, I run a, a learning business, so I would kind of think that. But the, the reality is that, the environment will keep changing. We need to keep changing our skills and our knowledge. And that might be face-to-face -face training. It might be online training. It might be listening to podcasts. It might be having lunch and learn sessions. It can, there's any number of different kind of learning interventions that you can have. But you have to kind of develop that culture internally because it's no good just, you know, once every three months going on a training course, feels like a bit of a jolly, have a bit of a nice lunch at a venue, and then you go back to the office and everything's back to normal. It needs to be embedded into what we're doing on an ongoing basis. And, and we see this a lot in organizations where we provide them a load of learning interventions. Here's a load of great e-learning. They say, fantastic. And then no one does it because they're not allowed to do it during their working hours because that's, that's not really seen as working. So it's that, okay, how can we use leadership to drive ongoing learning and actually say, look, you're going to go off and you're going to look at some learning and then we're going to come together as a group and we're going to discuss it. And when you do your review, how you're improving your skills is going to be part of that. Are you tracking your continuing professional development with the Chartered Institute? And all those kind of things are really, really embedded into, and it's leadership that, that, that kind of creates that. Because if you don't have the leadership saying, this, we are have a learning culture and this is how we approach it, 
it just won't get the adoption and it, it falls by the wayside. That's absolutely fascinating, isn't it, Jane? There were still lots of organisations who don't have the learning culture. They see learning as extracurricular rather than in-curricular. They're not embedding it into the Monday to Friday. Um, and therefore, there's no reinforcement. It's a one-off tick box every three months. And they're not doing that continuing professional development, but they should be doing. Well, I mean, I think a lot of organisations, you know, number one, they, they, they think learning is formal training, which, you know, we know 70-20-10 rule, 70% of what you learn is through conversations with your colleagues at work and just being around people on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then, you know, there is obviously the elements of formal training and there's TED Talks and there's podcasts and there's all of the things that, that Daniel also mentioned. Um, but I think you, in this day and age where, where industries and, and technology is moving at pace, you have to keep yourself up to date. And, you know, I also think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of marketers at the junior and exec end, you know, the, the pace of change at which they also move roles um, and organizations, you know, is also very fast. So if you are wanting to be a successful marketer, successful digital marketer and work your way up, you know, there's even more reason for you to uh, keep your development up to date and keep up to date with the skills that the industry requires because, you know, the very nature of how people work today is they move around a lot. Do you think there's still a bit of fear at play, Daniel, that people think I'm not good at that stuff, therefore I'm not going to try to be good at that stuff? Massively. I think there's lots of people that are in senior roles that have had a great traditional grounding in marketing, uh, but feel a little bit overwhelmed by the, the digital stuff because there's a lot of tech involved. It might be some skill sets they weren't kind of used to having before. And I, and I think actually, if we bear in mind, those core marketing skills, skills are still massively important. It's still you know, really essential to be able to apply any of this stuff. So in reality, it, it needs to be embraced that I've got these core skills, I've got this experience, you can't replace that. And I can layer on top of it the kind of tactical digital knowledge that I need as well. But I think there is a little bit of resistance. And there are some people that think digital marketing must just be about tech. And it's all analytics and data and stuff like that. And there is an element of that. But we've always kind of seen this resistance to technology. Um, And actually, when you get that, it's pretty damaging for the individual, but it can be really damaging for the organization, especially the more senior that gets. So if you look at digital transformation, when you've got senior people that are uh, what we'd refer to as Luddites in terms of really, you know, technology is not for us, it massively damages the organization because it's not that digital transformation is about technology. It's about changing consumer demand. And as soon as they get their head around that, that's when things start to shift. Do you think the junior people who tend to have, as we know now, much better skills in this area, Gemma, have got a role to play in breaking down some of that fear and resistance? Um, Well, yeah, absolutely. But then you've got that whole, you know, the whole thing around how those those junior roles and execs and and specialists at that level, they, they lack the soft skills as you know in some cases of relationship building and communication so I think you know you've got the opposite there where they're extremely good and technical and and they're specialists in what they do but how do they get their voice heard up to get the people above them to understand and listen and so you know and say this is the right way to go and you know Daniel you talk about the the data and the analysts you know we also found that through our research that there were more organizations now investing in looking for analysts because let's face it, all of this data that's coming through, unless you actually do something with it, how are you going to know what your consumer wants? You know, purchase history, 
uh, trends in what people are looking for, the products they're buying, you're never going to be able to evolve and improve your business if you don't know what the data is telling you. So, you know, I think all of these things go to the fact that if you're really serious about growing your business um, and making your business a success, then you, you have to invest in uh, the right people with the right skills and, and the senior management and the C-suite also have to understand why that is happening as well. So Daniel, last word, invest in the right people, invest in the right skills and embed that learning in your organization. And to your point, you've got a big open space in which you can march because a lot of people are doing this pretty badly. That's it. You need a culture of learning across every single seniority. It needs to be embraced by everyone. And that will give the organization huge opportunity. A fascinating report, a little bit negative, but a very important report. Where can people get hold of it, Daniel? So if they go to targetinternet.com forward slash benchmark, they can download the report, they can benchmark their own skills. And for up to 10 people, you can benchmark your team as well. And we'll put those links in the show notes on the CIM website too. So you can grab them there. Daniel, Gemma, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. CIM Podcast.